0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cafe All Lits. My name is Caleb Bedford, and this is our third Fitzgerald Friday, um, and our third Gatsby cluster story. I would say, I would say this one is definitely, uh, definitely an outlier in the Gatsby cluster. Um, It's very, it's got a lot more humor in it than the others do. It's a lot less serious. Um, It plays with the idea of people who have money, people who um, sort of invent themselves or like come, come buy some money um, in a, in a different way than most of the others um so as just gonna go ahead and jump right in um as as i've done with with the other gatsby cluster stories i'm reading what again what i assume is matthew brockley uh, matthew brockley's um introduction just introduction paragraph uh for dice brass knuckles and guitar um Dice Brass Knuckles and Guitar was published in Hearst's International, May 1923, and was Fitzgerald's first story submitted under an option contract with the Hearst Magazines. Dice is obviously one of the stories in which Fitzgerald tests ideas that would be more profoundly developed in The Great Gatsby. Here, the theme of the hardness of the rich is treated humorously, but Amanthus' statement to the outsider, you're better than all of them put together, Jim, anticipates Nick Carraway's judgment that Gatsby is worth the whole damn bunch put together. Dice also expresses, again comically, Fitzgerald's sense of the cultural and social differences between the South and the North. So, this is this is very funny, in my opinion, um, in that sort of nineteen twenty silent movie kind of way, um, or like. Uh, yeah, kind of almost slapsticky and, and at points. Um, let's just read the official intro. This is written by a narrator. That's one of the things that kind of, I think, is an idea he's playing around with in this is um, the narrator of this is not someone who is in the story. It's someone... So I mean, it's a, it's a little different, right? But there's a distanced narrator. Um, kind of like how uh, Nick is sort of distanced from the events of the of the great Gatsby, even though he's there for them, he's not really contributing, uh, anything to what's happening, if that makes sense. Um, so this is told by, this is told by like a sort of separate narrator, um, sort of after the fact. And so here is on the second page, um, the introduction to our main character, Jim. In a moving automobile sat a Southern gentleman accompanied by his body servant. He was on his way after a fashion to New York, but he was somewhat hampered by the fact that the upper and lower portions of his automobile were no longer in exact juxtaposition. In fact, from time to time, the two riders would dismount, shove the body onto the chassis corner to corner, and then continue onward vibrating slightly in involuntary unison with the motor. Except that it had no door in the back, the car might have been built early in the mechanical age. It was covered with the mud of eight states and adorned in front by an enormous but defunct motometer, and behind by a mangy pennant bearing the legend "Tarleton, Georgia." In the dim past, someone had begun to paint the hood yellow, but unfortunately had been called away when but half through the task. So it's this gentleman, what they call a body servant, um, and Jim will refer to this um, this gentleman in a more unfortunate tone, Jim being from the South, um, than, you know, uh, those from the North will refer to this man as colored, which is much more polite and sort of more considered appropriate even in the time. Um, whereas, you know, uh, you can tell you can tell Jim like appreciates him, um, but there is like a sort of there's a prejudice there. Um, I don't know. I don't want to. It's of course it's wrong. You know. I don't want to go too much into it. I think that's kind of the obvious thing. The elephant in the room is that it's wrong. You know, um, regardless of what time period you live in, and uh, even then it's a little. I mean the word is still used um, obviously in this time period um in the twenties and I it just it's still cringy it's it's super cringy to read it now obviously um I don't think it would have been as cringy to read back then in a story um about a southern gentleman um but I'm definitely, I definitely don't want to defend it because I don't feel like it has a defense, you know? Um, but I just wanted to, I wanted to point that out. I, I think glossing over and ignoring stuff like that, um, is, is not, not, not a good thing to do. So there is, there is that which casts a sort of, uh, darkness onto the story looking back. Um. But it was the twenty, so it's a little too late to um, do anything about it. Um, so yeah, that's obviously super unfortunate. Uh, not good. Um, something else: Tarleton, Georgia, is um, sort of Fitzgerald's fictionalized version of Montgomery. Um, and so this this man is, and some he's had, he wrote like three or four different stories set in Tarleton. Um this is not one of them. But the the main character comes from Tarleton. Uh and just the the hilarity of they're driving this car and they keep having to put it put the body of the car back onto the chassis because it keeps sliding off. And they're constantly throughout this story. Um again, hopefully you've read this. You know, you don't want to go into it, go into this not having Read it right, because um, as always, there will be spoilers. Um, I like to just say that, just in case someone's new to this and they are like expecting something more vague. This is not a book review. This is a more of um, an analysis with the specific intention, sort of, of connecting it to Gatsby. Um. But also, I mean, the story does stand by itself. So I, I'm not just connecting it to Gatsby, but that is that is the primary kind of purpose of of this. So, but I, I do think it's absolutely hilarious. And it's sort of like um, this whole, there are whole sections of this, like like repeated sections of this, um, like with the car, that sort of like remind me of how funny the, uh, scene with uh owl eyes uh, in the car wreck when the wheels off the car and they're just he's just like there and there's like the other guy in the car um who's actually driving who's talking about um know exactly as how he says it he's like, oh yeah we might be out of gas he's like the wheels off like you crash and he's like so like, is there any gas in it like or however exactly that scene goes um one of my favorite i guess it like let's be you in know, chapter three i think maybe um yeah just just a hilarious scene and that's that kind of the same like sort of type of like comedy i guess uh at least it seems so to me um so they're carrying around like they get a hammer and some nails, and they're constantly throughout the story, anytime they drive this thing, they're constantly nailing the thing back to the frame, and it keeps jiggling itself loose and coming off again, and it's absolute absurdity. Um, the main female protagonist in this story, Amanthus Powell, um, is the daughter of a judge. Zelda was the daughter of a judge. Clear influence there. Um, so he, Jim convinces this girl, like they, they have the same last name. So they, so he convinces her that he's got to set her up right as a society girl in New York City. He gets this idea in his head. He's coming to some money from like an aunt that's died or something. Um, and so he, Forms a business to raise some money and to get in with the sort of uh, sort of society types in in uh, what's it, Southampton, which I guess is outside of New York, um, but like still in that sort of area. Maybe might be closer to Boston. Hold on, let me do a little little Google here. There's one in uh, Pennsylvania. And there is Southampton in New York as well. Okay. So, I mean, it's a, it's an English city, so naturally there are going to be seven American cities named after it. Um, but anyway, he, so he, he forms his brass, his dice, brass knuckles, and guitar. And uh, so he meets the the girl, uh, Amanthus meets him up there. And so he's going to, you know, set her up in society. So he brings her to this school he's created by going door to door and finding people between the ages of like 16 and 20. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, 16 and 20. He just he just goes and knocks on the doors and asks if anyone's between the age of 16 and 20 and if they'd like to come to his school. Dice, brass knuckles and guitar. "'Dice, brass knuckles and guitar she repeated in all yes ma'am. What does it mean what do you sell them? No ma'am I teach them. it's a profession. Dice brass knuckles and guitar what's the Jm that stands for jazz master. but what is it? what is it about? Well you see it's like this one night when I was in New York I got to talking to a young fellow who was drunk. He was one of my fairs and he and he'd taken some society girl somewhere and lost her. lost her? Yes ma'am. he forgot her I guess and he was right worried. Well, I got to thinking that these girls nowadays, these society girls, they lead a sort of dangerous life, and my course of study offers a means of protection against these dangers. You teach them to use brass knuckles? Yes, ma'am, if necessary. Look here, you take a girl, she goes into some cafe where she's got no business to go. Well, then her escort, he gets a little too much to drink, and he goes to sleep, and then some other fella comes up and says, Hello, sweet mama, or whatever one of those mashers says up here. What does she do? She can't scream on account of no real lady will scream nowadays. No. She just reaches down in her pocket and slips her fingers into a pair of Powell's defensive brass knuckles, debutante size, executes what I call the society hook, and wham, that big fellow's on his way to the cellar. Well, what's the guitar for? whispered the awed Amanthus. Do they have to knock somebody over with the guitar? No, ma'am, exclaimed Jim in horror. No, ma'am. In my course, no lady would be taught to raise a guitar against anybody. I teach him to play. Shucks, you ought to hear them. Why, when I've given him two lessons, you'd think some of them was colored. And the dice? Dice? I'm related to dice. My grandfather was a dice. I teach him how to make those dice perform. I protect pocketbook as well as person. <laughs> Did you have any pupils? Ma'am, I got all the really nice rich people in the place. What I told you ain't all. I teach lots of things. He goes, and I teaches like dances and all sorts of Sort of stuff. Um, it's just it's just funny, um, and then there's another thing that's kind of uh, sort of uh, more related to like a scene in Gatsby when um, when Gatsby's uh, what when is it? It's gotta be chapter four or six. I think it's four maybe. Um when when those group of people come riding up to to Gatsby's house Gatsby's house and he like gives them something uh to drink or something. I'm trying to remember exactly what happens. But anyway, they ride uh up to his house, talk to him for a minute, and then uh one of the one of the ladies, like the, the, there's a, it's Tom, this other man, and this other man's wife. And they, and the, the wife asks Gatsby to like come to tea or something and, uh, or come riding with them. And, and he's like, I don't have a horse. I'll have to follow in my car. It's like, hold on, let me go get, uh I guess, attired for it or whatever. um And so uh, Tom's like, my God, don't they, doesn't he know she doesn't want him? Which I think that's sort of like the same kind of idea, you know, cause Gatsby was sort of a bootlegger. Um, and my God, uh, so Jim has like a rule, like very few rules, but one of the rules is you can't drink in, in the, in the, in the club and this 21 year old who's in this club. Cause he's, he's kind of immature for his age. And he's trying to get into Yale still. Um, gets into it with him and uh, he says hear that demanded van Fleck my god can't you see you're just a servant Ronald here no more think of asking you to his party than he would his bootlegger so I, I, I kind of found that um, sort of tore like similar to uh, the Gatsby um, scene um, and then of course like like you mentioned in the intro you're better than all of them put together, Jim. Uh, Like, like Gatsby's, you're worth the whole damn bunch. When Nick tells him that, he was always glad he told him that. Then there's this, uh, scene, uh, a couple pages from the end, uh, where Jim, Jim tells, uh, amanthus that he's going back to tarleton and uh she asked if you are you going to drive down i got to i got to get the car south because i couldn't get what she was worth by selling it you don't suppose anybody stole my car out of your barn he asked in sudden alarm she repressed a smile no who's going to steal that car like even if they got in it and started to drive away the second it came off of the frame came off of the chassis they're going to abandon it You know, that thing's going nowhere with anybody but Jim. And then it kind of is revealed at the end, of course, that uh, Amantus was kind of a part of this society all the time. Um, She was kind of, I guess, uh, teaching him some sort of a a lesson on what it's like to be like the the hardness of, of the rich. But like I said, it's handled in a more humorous way. Um, you see added a this gently. You don't have to be rich up here in order to, to go around any more than you do in Georgia. She broke off abruptly. Once you come back next year and start another Academy. So she's, I mean, she's sort of very nice about it, but she had, she had come up ahead of him. She's like rushed up ahead of him to uh, Southampton. And she's sort of orchestrating this whole thing behind the scenes uh to kind of teach him this lesson or whatever, I guess. The, the people were her family. Um or like she has family up there. And so part of parts of them are like the Harlans, the first kind of uh, couple of kids he got were were last name were Harlans. Were Harlan. Um, and they're like her cousins. So It's a it's a classic Fitzgerald story. And uh, as they're riding off into the sunset at the end, I'll read you this last paragraph, even though I know you read it because you would not be listening to this if you hadn't, right? Um, then they were gone down the road in quite a preposterous cloud of dust. Just before they reached the first bend, Amanthus saw them come to a full stop, dismount, and shove the top part of the car onto the bottom part. They took their seats again without looking around. Then the bend and they were out of sight, leaving only a faint brown mist to show that they had passed. So it does, it. this is like the story that combines like Fitzgerald's earlier stories. Um, like the humor from his earlier stories really pairs it with the ideas he's coming up um, with for Gatsby. I think it's like the kind of the perfect mix between the two, the two things. Um, and it's, it's a different, it's like, it's a different, uh, different vibe from the rest, rest of them. Um, so far as I can remember, there's not, there's not another one that's this, this comedic, this funny. Um, So, yeah, I don't have a I don't have a ton to say about this one. There's there's only a few. I mean, I found it hilarious, but there's only a few like kind of references to to Gatsby. It's a I would say it's a looser Gatsby cluster story. Um, But yeah, next week we have the sensible thing. Um, It's a it's a shorter one. Uh, Winter Dreams in this in this edition is like 20 pages. This one's like 21, something like that. This one's like just slightly longer than that. It's also one of the only Fitzgerald stories. Um one of the few Fitzgerald stories that does not have subdivisions in it. Like a lot of them have like subparts, like one, two, three, four, upwards of like double digits in his like novellas. Um but this one ha- doesn't have, have any of those, which is certainly interesting. I don't know if it necessarily means anything, uh, but it's it's certainly interesting and noteworthy just because of how sort of rare that is, especially by, by the, like at this point in his career. I don't remember. He might. I mean, even like the Basil and Josephine stories all have like divisions in them and stuff if I remember correctly, so who knows Um, what prompted that, because there were, there were definitely places in there he could have, he could have put them where he probably normally would have put them, Uh, but he didn't, so um, I don't know if that had something to do with the magazine he put, 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 uh, can't talk, the magazine he published them in, or what, Uh, but yeah, That is it for Brass, uh, officially it for Dice, Brass Knuckles, and Guitar. Uh, The sensible thing is, you know, uh, a little bit more than half that length. So it's probably, I think it's like 12 pages, give or take, depending on, you know, what edition of the story uh, you got. Because it is in, you know, a couple different uh, collections, I believe. But, yes, so, what else have we got going on? Um, update on reading whale. I am on page 140 out of like 200 or 365, I think. Um, I'm really gunning to get this thing done. I've but I worked worked my fourth day in a row today. Um, Total between like I'm transitioning jobs. So I'm kind of working two jobs uh, pretty heavily this week. It's a little less next week, but I'll still um, I will work. I will work 13 days in a row before I am off uh next sunday like the 14th or whenever that is so something now some of those days are only like you know a little like four hour shift um or so so it's not like all of them are all day uh, but it it is kind of like you know i'm already kind of tired from it um even though i'm kind of i'm having fun at the new job you know uh, enjoying myself it's a surrounded by books all day which is nice Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I might hopefully get to get some good reading done um, tomorrow and, uh, maybe a little bit Sunday. Hopefully, hopefully I can make a lot of progress tomorrow, I guess. Um, maybe Saturday night and, uh, finish up sunday monday because i do want to get an episode out on this um it is super interesting uh it's the tone of it's very like the tone of the voice well i'll save it uh it's but it's it's kind of like an it feels like i'm like a something that's been passed down like through the or, oral tradition a little bit uh I mean, it, it hasn't really, uh, but it kind of has that sort of uh, folkish vibe, I guess. Um, so, yeah. But that's it for this one. Hopefully that on Tuesday. If not, I will have something else. Uh, I'll, if not, I'll probably just do an update on uh, on the Sun Also Rises or something. But, yeah. Uh, Sensible thing next Friday. Almost, almost absolutely certain I can get that out. And uh, yeah, um, until next time, as always, keep on reading.